0: When when they asked me to um to do well, when we talked about doing a book, I was, I was perplexed a little bit after I agreed, I said, I agreed, Why why would I wanna do a book? And my son said, It's easy, Dad, you could do it and I said, Why? What do you mean? He said, It's Star Wars. He said it's the um the evil empire, the Ge- Canada against the Georges and Slaywood Nation. And I said, yeah, I guess the-
1: Nina Louise Pampometer, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. I'm a lawyer, professor, author, and activist from Eel River Bar First Nation, whose motto is Education for Action on Indigenous Rights, Social Justice, and Protecting the Planet. And on this podcast, you're going to get an education of a different kind one that's enriched by the cultures, insights, and experiences of Indigenous activists, land defenders, and water protectors on the ground as well as all of the activists, artists, lawyers, academics, and leaders of all kinds who are on the front lines of Indigenous resistance, resurgence, and revitalization. And today you are in for such a phenomenal podcast about a warrior, a book, and everything that this person does that defines what it means to be a warrior for Indigenous lands, waters, and people. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this one. Welcome back, Warriors. I'm so excited for this new season of Warrior Life Podcast, and of course, I had to invite my dear warrior brother and friend back to this podcast. He's no stranger here. Reuben George has been on this podcast before, talking about all of his efforts with his family and his community, and in fact, First Nations across the country trying to stop the Trans Mountain Pipeline and all of the devastation that it causes the environment and people and our cultures and traditions. And so if you haven't heard that one before, I'll post a link below, but you have got to listen to that one because it, it is just such, and it, it's still very much an important podcast. But today I get to welcome Ruben back to the Warrior Life Podcast. Welcome back, Ruben.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, good to see you again, sister. We saw it in territory up in Northern British Columbia. I had a good visit with um, Chief John Nommux yesterday and I love being here. So beautiful.
1: And you and I were just talking that news came out that the RCMP have spent over $11 million patrolling one resource road where there's been no activity. I mean, it seems like the RCMP have no end of money to kind of stop us from protect, basically protecting the planet, even for their own benefit.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, the hotel I'm staying in is where the RCMP are. Just outside this window here, there's like about ten trucks, RCMP trucks. So they're still wasting a lot of money doing what they're doing. And you know, and you and you look at what this is doing, and there's there are alternatives that are being created, and. And, and um, you look at the the state of the world that, that like it's, it's it was smoky here when I got here yesterday oh. and, and that's 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 a direct effect of, of fossil fuels and, and global warming and global climate change and the floods and the fires and all these crazy things that are going on to the world. And they're it's here. they're here like nothing's going through the pipeline, but they're protecting a pipeline with nothing going through it. It's crazy.
1: I know it's it just boggles my mind, but I'm I'm so glad that even with all of the work you're doing, especially now in Wet'suwet'en territory, that you're taking the time uh, because I really want people to know who you are and about your new book because to me. Ruben, you're the definition of a warrior. And a lot of people misunderstand what warrior is. You know, it's someone who just loves (sighs) their people so much that someone like you who's dedicated your life and your heart and everything about you to protecting people, the lands, waters, all life on the planet. And for those who don't know, Ruben spent well over a decade trying to protect Mother Earth from Trans Mountain Pipeline. You've probably heard him in the media a million times. You see him on the front mm-hmm. lines. But the important work that often doesn't get seen is Ruben in the background, trying to bring all of us together, trying to unite all of the nations, trying to be strategic. It's, it's all of that work that people don't see that you've just never stopped. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're here because it's going to help educate listeners that that all of these things are still relevant. And for those who might've missed the last episode, I'm wondering if you could introduce yourself and your nation and a bit about your incredible warrior family too.
0: Well, yeah, my name is Ruben George, my traditional name's Kaloos. I'm from tsleil Nation in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, my grandfather was Chief Dan George, uh, my son says something pretty profound. He he'll say, "I, I won't, will not be the generation that stops fighting." And my kids do. They 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 travel the world, um, sticking up for land, water, and human rights. But it just goes way back to um, my great 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 grandfather S- Sletholt, who who protected the lands and waters. And, and you know they like the title of my book is "It Stops Here." He, my grandfather in 1970 was in an interview, and he he talked about um how he's been protecting the lands and waters, and and um, the title of that story was, It Stops Here. So that turned into the sti- title of my book. But my mom, too, she's been arrested three times and stopped in the pipeline. Uh, my cousin, Will George, my sister, Charlene, all the chief and council to Slaywich Nation, everybody is just really involved in trying to help and try to create something better for our future generations by protecting what we love.
1: And there's just so many things that people have to learn from all of the generations. Like people always say, you know, who do you look up to? Well, there are people far younger than me that I look up to, just like there's people older than me that I look up to. I think we're all bringing to this, I guess, righteous movement all of the wisdom and the knowledge and the wealth of experience that we all have. However, we've come about that and your family has just been one of those that are like we all look up to, you know, your grandfather and and your kids like I so admire your kids and how, how amazing already they are as warriors and one of the things I, I really wanted to ask you about, especially in relation to this book and I should let people know it's called it stops here standing up for our lands, our waters, and our people. And it is published by Penguin Random House. You can get it in hard copy, ebook, and audiobook. And here's the thing, if you go to their website, you can actually get an audio sample of Ruben actually reading part of the book. So that will for sure convince you that you need probably the hardcover, if not the ebook, but definitely the audiobook. I mean, just hearing our our people's voices is just so magical. And here's the other thing: you know, we're in the month of reconciliation, though I think it should be all year round. There are Indigenous-owned bookstores across the country, so you can support those Indigenous-owned bookstores, like MassyBooks.com, for example, um, and. Get your book there so that we're we're doing multiple supporting. We're supporting all of the warriors in the book. We're supporting the author. We're supporting the Indigenous book. But my, I guess my question really is, is you are doing so much. I never know how you have time to do all of this stuff. When did the idea for this book come about? Or is this something that you've just been thinking about for a long time?
0: <clears throat> oh, um, three years ago. That's how long it took um a buddy was was um he just got his PhD from SFU Michael Simpson and he said they'll pay him for a year to do whatever he wanted and he's thinking about writing a book and we talked about it and said okay let's do one and that's how it happened just simple as that um yeah it's, it's a weird thing um sort of surreal still like I think um we hit number five in the bestsellers in Canada for non-fiction so that's sort of surreal, not sort of it is surreal to me and but unflattering. And um but it's yeah, it's exciting. It's just simple like that. It it's just a question we and the discussion we say okay, let's do it.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love it, especially when it's collaborative. There's a couple of other books that are coming up. They're not out there yet, so I don't want to spoil the surprise of other indigenous peoples, but they've collaborated with allies or other people who are like hardcore writers to say, hey, let's take your story and all of your knowledge and wisdom and put it together so that we can share it. So I really, really love that. And thank you, Michael, for your part in helping put this together. So Ruben, what can we expect out of this book? So I know already that there is praise from amazing people like Naomi Klein and David Suzuki, who we all love and yours truly I wrote a blurb because it really is a phenomenal book what can people expect out of it what are some of the things that you cover
0: well I think my well my son explained it really well when when they asked me to um to do well when we talked about doing a book I as I was perplexed a little bit after I agreed I said when agreed why why would I want to do a book My son said it's easy, Dad. You could do it. And I said, Why? What do you mean? He said it's Star Wars. He said it's the um, the evil empire, the Canada against the Georges and Slaveuth Nation. I said, Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So that's what we did. But um, it doesn't start there. Like, I'm I'm really flattered by all the things that you said. But you know, and and when I think about myself, I'm not even a good example about how to be. I think I I teach that in, in the ceremonies that I run. You know, um. You know, we're all, we're always striving to be better, but where we come from is, is could be pretty dark place by the residential schools and the colonization that happened. When I was a kid, almost everybody drank or did drugs that was over 15. And, um, and it was, it was a really hard place to be. There's a lot of, when, when there's drugs and alcohol, there's a lot of trauma and I wasn't immune to it. And, um, and, and then through my, um, younger days I you know I, I wasn't a good person I, I was violent and I was really disrespectful to I, you know I and, and for a long time I I was a prisoner of of the trauma than the prisoner of the trauma I created and um and and it was it was hard it was really hard even even in my healing it was hard and, and I still wasn't a good role model in the first 15 years I think of being sober i couldn't pull things together but through a lot of therapy i've been to treatment three times you know i i am i am been i still go to therapy once in a while and but most important thing that helped me was our ceremonies what i found and what i do and what i teach is is that when i'm saying as a prisoner of the trauma like if if i look at it you know love has a spirit and um Every single culture around the world, they honor the love when two people come together. That spirit's born and they honor that love and they do a ceremony and they call it marriage. And and um that's 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 a beautiful thing, but trauma has a spirit. So what happened to me when I was a kid, all those horrible things, it created a spirit of trauma, whether it was physical, mental, emotional abuse, whatever it was. And that that's what kept me as a prisoner because it wasn't dealt with. It's the spirit of it in, in our in our society that we live in today, where we look at mental, emotional. And physical trauma and how to deal with it. But we're not taught how to deal with this the spiritual trauma. So that's what I did. You know, I, I really looked at that and it was like an open wound on my arm. And I needed stitches maybe and I needed band-aid and I needed antibiotics, maybe, but I healed it. I healed it in ceremony. And 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 um it scarred that trauma. It healed and scarred and and I, I was no longer a prisoner of that that trauma anymore. And because I forgave. I really forgave and and found freedom and, you know, I could breathe. And and the same thing for the bad things that I did. I wasn't, I wasn't a good person. I wasn't a good person at all. You know, I, I, I did a lot of menses and and what I did, but I really sincerely apologized to everybody who I could and, and my kids and my mom and, and during my addiction was, was a really bad time. And, and, but then I found some freedom there too. You know, looking for, looking and seeking and finding forgiveness, and 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 so, you know, the, the one of the bigger problems was the, the fighting with men all the time, and and I and I healed that, and, and but what I didn't stop is is the fighting, and but now I fight for goodness, mm-hmm. I fight for protection of women, I fight for the protection of our land and our water and people and men, you know, I'm diligent at what I do, I I run ceremony once a week, and and for anybody. Anybody who wants to come, you know, our, my doors are open. And then I, then I even look at my mom and what she's been through in residential school. She witnessed kids get murdered. She, she, all the sexual abuse and all that she's been through. Despite all that, she did her healing. And come to my house, and you come to my ceremony, she'll, she'll tell, every, tell everybody, no matter what nationality or what you look like, what nation you are, she'll say, call me Ta'a. And that, that means, that means um, grandmother call me grandmother and I'll help you and I'll pray with you. And she does. She really helps a lot of people. And my, my kids are the same, you know, they, they went through a really hard spell themselves and, and the community they live in the, in, the, in the United States. There was, there was like 24 kids died in one year. And it started with a, a school shooting and it was brutal. It was devastating. So they, they lived through trauma and, you know, and they've been through a lot and they they did a lot of healing and and, um, but they're the same. They're welcoming in, in our ceremony, and, and I think what it comes down to is there's there's a responsibility when you come to ceremony, and you and you feel good. It's like your your spirit's cleansed, and you feel good. And there's a responsibility, and this is what I taught. I'm taught through the generations of my family. When you feel good, you have a responsibility to share that goodness, and that's what we do. That's what the Georges do. That's what my family does. They. They share that goodness because it's it's um you know it's 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 healing and also what comes out of it when, when people come to ceremonies is 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 a lot of goodness. And what I tell people, I said, you know, when you surrender and you do those do that work, why not? At the end of the day, why not? Why not love your partner more, or love your kids more, or love your parents more, or love anybody more? When you do your healing, you know, we 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 break down barriers. And, and I think my mom's amazing at it because the, the racism that she went through in residential school is brutal. It was just brutal But to come around to every nationality and white people and say, hey, you know what? I accept and I love you too and you could call me grandmother. That's a, that's phenomenal healing. So my book talks about that. And, you know, I was worried and vulnerable in the beginning, but every every problem that I faced throughout my life, you know, with my addictions or with my trauma or the trauma I created, there, there, I talk about how ceremony helped, how our cult, how how our culture helped. When I was in my mid twenties, I opened up a healing center for youth, and and we hired a couple psychologists and elders, and we take any psychological program, healing program, and we and we translate it to native legends and stories and teachings. That was in the mid nineties. And because my grandfather said anything you learn in college university about healing there's a native teaching that says the same thing so we put that to the test and it works and that's what we do you know we 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 try to look at ourselves physically spiritually mentally and emotionally my whole family teaches that in ceremonies and um so the book is is about that and and that's why i felt vulnerable in the beginning and but i know Keith that now i know Keith that you know to have it out there and i think the I think um, I think people will like it. And, and the biggest thing, too, is, though, for the non-Indigenous communities when they read it, because my story could be the same story for everybody across Canada, for everybody across Canada. But what, what, I, what I look at, too, is don't look at it, the poor Indians or the poor First Nations. No, look at it as, as you could heal because our, our world is in trauma. When I talk about you come to ceremony and you do your healing spiritually, you're going to want to do something. You're going to want to make the life better for your future generations. And our whole world is in trauma with fossil fuels, and it's brutal to see all the devastation that's happening everywhere that we're not prepared for. We're at where they said we would be at in 50 years, but it's only been five years, and it's going to get worse. It's not the new norm. It's going to get worse. And, and so so I talk about that. I say, look at your, your own spiritual trauma, because that's what I think the world is, is missing genuine spirit really missing genuine spirit the world is is how how i see it and how i look at it that's what i hope the message would be for us look for something find something be something and at the end of the day why not you'll love everything more that's we protect because we love our earth and why wouldn't we love the earth because in ceremony we're learned to have a reciprocal relationship to the land water and air and the sun and everything and that, because those are included in their ceremonies, and every ceremony I've been to around the world, they use fire, earth, water, and sky. Every single ceremony. So it's learning us and teaching us to connect to where we come from. Are those elements? So uh, that's that's a, that's my take on the book.
1: <laughs> well, and and here's the thing, I've talked to lots of our you know male warriors. And they have similar stories where they want to speak out, they want to write a book, they want to, you know, do whatever it is to help with the cause. And our conversations always tend to go the same, but it's like they've made mistakes or they suffered from addictions or they hurt people in their past. And even though they've tried to make amends for that, you know, people, other people obviously carry pain. Um... And they don't have an excuse for what they did, but they feel vulnerable and they worry about whether or not they can share this or speak all of this. And I just keep saying, if you're looking for my opinion, the more our men share these stories and their struggles and all of the effort they put into trying to change and trying to make amends and trying to be good and spread love. It's going to show everybody else, because if all we see are people in the bright lights and, you know, hold them up as heroes, because, you know, all of our people are heroes to me. And we don't share that we've actually had a difficult journey to get there, that it's not all easy and and that everybody can do that. I think that's just so important, the the rawness, the honesty feeling vulnerable that's that's a form of humility you know recognition that none of us are perfect but we have this ability to confront that and do it so it's like decolonizing you know we always talk about decolonization well the hardest part is decolonizing ourselves right like responding to the trauma that colonization imposed on us and then responding to how we reacted to that or might have hurt people from all of those things so I think if anything that's going to be the center part of your book, or it was for me when I was reading it, just the the honesty and holding yourself as a man out there as being vulnerable. Do you think, do you think that this is going to like other men, especially young men will hear their story in, in your book?
0: I hope so. I hope so. And another weird thing about writing the book and looking at it is is, I'm not that anymore. I'm not I'm not I'm not an abusive person, I'm not a violent person, I'm not I'm not that. And and the other side is I'm, I'm, I'm not that person that was abused. The mm. physical, emotional, sexual abuse, all those things I'm not and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm healed from those things. Not to say that if anyone needs healing, I, I won't, won't heal them because I do. I'm willing to. And and um and but I think I think that was strange is to s- s- see that out there again you know, and I, and I was worried about actually talking about it again, but I'm not, I'm not, I, I feel, I feel okay. And, and, and like I said, like there's genuine freedom. There's really, really freedom and forgiving, really forgiving. And, and there's real freedom in and saying, sorry, you know, and, 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 and working towards it because, you know, at the other end of it, when, you, when spirit touches you in ceremony, you're going to want to do something about it. You know, like I said, I, I went to treatment three times a whole year. Not that I fell off and started drinking again. I just said, geez, I need more healing. I, went, I, went to, <laughs> I went, Back then, um, you could see a, a, a psychologist for a year almost. I did. Once a week, I did. You know, and even AA, I, 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 I should go more and support the the way I was helped. Um, I did ceremony no less than once a week, but sometimes sweat lodge, sometimes twice a day. And 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 um, it, and for the first couple of years, and consistently, I, I've been going once a week this the last thirty years. And um, so I, you know, I I hope so. I hope so. And and everybody though, like I said, it's it's a message for. Everybody because our like I said, our world is in trauma mm-hmm. and, and, and and how we look at it is 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 selfish in a way because as a general globally because it if it's not in our backyard, we don't care, but it is it's everywhere it's affecting everything and and like I said, we have the technology to to create change and so that's what I really hope for you know and and I, you know there's other ceremonies that we're going to open people up to. You know, like I, I mentioned in the end of the book, like psychedelic healing. I, I never ever thought I'd do it. I did I went to peyote ceremonies. as a, a Part of my sundance, um, one of the chiefs was a couple of the chiefs would run peyote ceremonies. So I've been to a couple, but it, it just wasn't for me. And but even even that's a big part of the healing process that I'm involved in now. And and um yeah, that's what I hope for.
1: Well, I think about all of the ways in which we can learn from your book and like your work in general, obviously, but your book. So someone could come to this book, not having known you, they could be from a different country or something. And there's this whole personal journey. Um, you know, I think, you know, it stops here. You can stop being the person that hurt, so you can stop being the person who who felt all this trauma. And then I think about the earth, We can stop doing the thing. Like we literally all collectively have the power, you know, political will missing here. But if you think of all the countries around the world that literally have the power to stop what we're doing, to actually look and say, hey, the science and Indigenous science says, this is what's going to happen if we keep doing X. We could stop doing X. There's so many other alternatives. And that's what really gets me. And I'm wondering like what you think, what do you think Canadians would get out of this book in the sense of this call to action to do better, to save mother earth?
0: I think it's necessary um, for Canadians to, to create change and open up. You know, one thing I talk about in the book is um, my daughter and my son went to like to lay up. They, they, they offered to a, uh, Send our kids to private schools. We tried it. We talked about it, tried it okay. And my son hated it. So we, we took him out, but my daughter thrived. But even at the young age of an elementary school, public school, they say, hey, if you're really smart, you can be a doctor or a lawyer. And then in that private school, they're teaching different. said, no, you're going to be a politician. You're going to be really wealthy. And when my daughter graduated at 15, all our 32 classmates also graduated at 15. Every single one of them the next year went to university or college. Every single one of them took political science and business. All of them. All of them. to so Be rich and wealthy and run things like your parents. And, 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 and But we're told what we're, to do, what we're capable of doing and what we could do in, in our ceremonies. I'm failing if I'm not teaching people to surpass me. And I'm happy to say that. <clears throat> A lot of people are. My kids are. The people I do ceremony, they are surpassing me. They are doing better, and and you know, and, and we're super proud of that. And that's that's what we teach. But we're we're stuck in our silos of of the community we live in. Like they they say the police outside, they're in their silo. They don't hang out with each other. Sports figures hang out with each other. But you know, we 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 you know, my grandfather said we live in a longhouse, and we know everybody. We love everybody. The whole family is there. The whole community is living there together in longhouse. And he goes, look at Vancouver, he says. There's like two thousand people in one building, and there's six six inches separating you from the person next door to you, and you never know them. That's that's a sad thing, and you know. Um, but we're asleep. That's what I'm saying. Our spirit is asleep, and 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 it needs to be woken up to, to do something, to create something, to, you know, you know, I, I was taught when I was young, even even though it's rough, rough life. You know, a lot of alcoholism and, you know, food, it was a necessity we didn't have. And, and but we had the forests, we had crab, and the summers and spring was great. We had orchards and, and natural orchards and pears and grapes and everything. And, and, and it was, and it was abundant. And, and, you know, the, it, it taught us to love the land, you know, it, it taught us to give back, you know, I mentioned in the books that when we catch fish or crab, we, we turn the shells back and say thank you. We say thank you, and, and it really taught us to create, and to have, and believe in a reciprocal relationship with spirit. Like my grandfather was hunting, and um, with his grandpa, and my grandpa chieftain George, and he's going to shoot a deer, and he goes, "No, wait a minute! Tell it, tell that, tell that deer why you're why you're taking its life that you're going to eat it, you're going to use it, you're going to use every part of it. You're going to do something with the hide and the antlers and the hoofs and 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 you and you ask for permission. So he closed his eyes, and the deer was like, you know, thirty yards away. Then when he opened his and the deer was facing him straight on like this. And then when the deer turned, when he opened his eyes after his prayer, the deer was facing him like this. When so he and it was only five meters away, and and it gave up his life. And you know, I I think. He had a. I know he had a reciprocal relationship of spirit to the lands and waters, and, and 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 we're blinded by what society tells us to be, tells us to think, even if the media tells us what to think. Like for example, Global News twice did a half decent story on Slave Nation and, and and stopping this pipeline, and why wouldn't they do more stories? Like you, you look at the tolling costs. Of of the of to transport one barrel of oil in any other pipelines around ten and eleven dollars. The T M X pipeline it's twenty three dollars. They're going to pay somebody with a subsidy to put oil through it, and it's going to be like end of the day about sixteen billion dollars. And 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 the media is not not doing stories on that. They're not doing stories on things like this, so we're told what to think. That it's for jobs. Oh, okay, we won't do nothing. But the the fire's burning down beside my house. And we're we're not going to do something. Oh, but the floods are closing all the highways and cutting off Canada to the Vancouver to the rest of Canada. Oh, the news says it's okay, and it's not. And 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 the individuality was taken away from us when, when we were little, and and it's still happening to a lot of people today. They they think and believe what they're told, but our individual self. When we're connected to to each other to other human beings to ourselves to earth we're gonna to want to make a difference and and that's what hope that's what i hope i hope i hope people could read it and say well, yeah let's make a difference it's fucking like, let's do something about this
1: exactly well when you think about Trans Mountain Pipeline. There are so many stories that could be covered. Who's invested in the Trans Mountain Pipeline? Where is public pensions invested? Where is the RCMP uh, pensions invested? How much is it going to cost? And what bothers me the most, and I'm so glad you always confront the job issue, is that Jobs is always thrown out as the defense to violating indigenous rights, trampling over human rights, destroying the planet. Um, And for the sake of who? Because who gets the money out of it? We all know that these jobs are fairly temporary. Um, It is the people, the companies and the governments that have it. And we all know those transnational corporations that are in the extractive industry Take all of their money out of Canada, and it's not going back into Canada. I just hate that we use money or jobs. When what about those people who are, who are working on those pipelines? They have families to feed. Could they not be trained in green technology? Could they not be? employed in other areas that don't contribute to the destruction of the earth of course they can but it's it's always thrown there like oh you must be against all the people who have jobs and it's just so literally the opposite And it's like what you're saying and and i've gotten this from you before this whole false dichotomy well you know you have to go to school and you're either a doctor and a lawyer or you're just something else. As if those are the two options when you could be like a whole bunch of different things. And it's either, well, you either have a job and destroy the planet and trample human rights and incarcerate people, or you don't have a job as if those are the alternatives. And they're not, it's kind of like a brainwashing. It's almost like, you know, if vote in the next election and that's going to change everything. And we know time and time again, it doesn't. What it does is a little bit of harm reduction. So it's like the worst guy doesn't get in. But I, I like how you really confront that. And, I, and I'm wondering what you think about, because I'm a big proponent of Canadians listening directly to Indigenous voices and not relying on the Minister of Indian Affairs to say what's good for Native people or a short clip on CBC or CTV or Global, or any other news channel that doesn't give context. And so your book, it's like a legacy. It's a legacy for all of your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. It'll happen, but it's also important information for us that you get it straight from Indigenous voices. How important do you think that is, that Canadians get to hear directly from the source and not all of the politicization of it?
0: Yeah, exactly, because it's, uh, again, that's what I hope for. I hope for, like, um, the N- NGOs that we work with, I mentioned this in the book, it was Rex Weiler, founder of Greenpeace and Ben West and others. They they wanted to create some allies with some First Nations, and we ended up meeting with them, and long story short, and, and one of the elders said, well, it's going to be Indigenous-led, and they agreed. Of course, they wanted that, but we, we took them to ceremony for, six months before we worked on anything just to show them a little bit about why we're doing what we're doing and w- when you ask that question i think it comes down to this for me it's like even a simple smudge every single culture in the world has some sort of smudge you know, like candles or incense but it's the same thing that that, that candle or incense or smudge it represents earth and the flames the energy of the sun you represent that you put two things together and the spirit's born out of that with intention. A spirit is born out of that with intention, and 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 that could be to create change. But what we, we, we were teaching them is, is we said, okay, we're using all these elements in our ceremonies, and we're teaching you that. And in the process, we taught them, this is why we're connected to the, the earth and the water and the air and the sun. This is why we're connected to it, because we use it in ceremony. But number one, you can't live without it. You can't live with dirty water. You can't can't live with dirty air. So we we, we created a relationship to it, and that's what we taught them. And, then, and at the same time, that movement created a community, and and, and that, that's what they said. They said we're a community. Thank you. And 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 um, that was Rex Weiler said that we're a community, and and you know it it it, it, it was important. It was important. It's it's not like saying being indigenous led, isn't follow our way. It's like follow your way when you connect to your own spirit. What is the right way when you know a better way because your spirit's telling you. You're going to know a better way when you have a reciprocal relationship to land, water, and people, or whatever, and and everything. Then let's then let's work together, and then let's do something, and that's what we did, and so that's the way we did it. And I know. And tsleil and and over here on the coast, but all the cultures have 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 different ideas. And you know, somebody some I was on a radio show and they said, "Oh, what do you feel about the Mi'kmaq and this and that and the lobster?" And I was like, "And they said you said this and you said this." And I said, "Hey, wait a minute! I said that to to my fight here against the Trans Mountain. It'd be presumptuous for me to say something on on behalf of them and without knowing or talking with somebody from over there. But I support them because it's the right thing." But I said, you, where are you from? She goes, I'm a Viking. Oh, so do you support the English in doing this? And she, Are you English? And then she goes, no, I'm not a Viking. I told you. And I said, why, why are you doing that to us? Then why are you putting us in the same boat? We're, what we have in common is that we love our lands, waters, and people, and we're going to stand up for that. But that's why we're called First Nations. We're many different nations, but we're the first ones here. And, and so, you know, it takes education. And it takes education. And, and you know, from, from the other part of it, it's just common sense too. Like I travel the world and I go pray with people, all nationalities. I prayed in the outbacks in Australia and New Zealand, Southeast Asia. I prayed in the jungles in South America and Central America. And, and I just went in there with common sense, <laughs> with respect, simple respect. And I was welcomed in their ceremonies, in their houses, in their homes to pray. And it was beautiful, but it was just common sense and respect, and and I think that's some people could be lacking in that sometimes. But we'll teach them. My mom's <laughs> my mom's could be really really hard in ceremonies, but she'll be soft and teach them too sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> your mom's awesome. <laughs> I love your whole family. You guys are just so you're the softest hardcore people. Uh, That I've ever met because they're just everybody's so loving and welcoming, but they are also hardcore standing up for culture and family and lands and the planet and really for everybody. That's the thing I think Canadians misunderstand about Indigenous rights and Indigenous laws and Indigenous sovereignty and all of these things is that we're not just in a little tiny silo saying, oh, we're just going to, you know, protect this one acre of land. And we're just going to protect this part of the river because we know the planet doesn't work that way, that it's all connected. And so it really is advocating for the future of all life on the planet and the planet itself. And I really, like I get something new from you every single time. Um, And I, I want people to also understand because sometimes you see something in the media and it's in the media for a while. And then when it's not in the media Sometimes I've had Canadians say, well, the issue is addressed, right? Or, and it's like, no, that's not the case, which is why I often have people keep coming back to my podcast to give updates. So, for example, I've had Ellen Gabriel on this podcast and she says, here's what's happening to the land. And, you know, we need everyone to come out and support and then I have her back a year later because it's still not resolved, and but it's not in the media and it's not in the minds of people. And one of the things like every time I talk to you, I want people to know, Trans Mountain Pipeline, the issue, didn't just go away because it's not in the media headlines right now and I want people to understand that so could you just tell us briefly where is the trans mountain pipeline is is it still going ahead is it still operating is it still interfering or have first nations been able to stop it
0: well there's two things that I'm I'm, I'm primarily working on the first one is, is a religious spiritual movement so I did a, um, a ceremony with twelve priests. I went to their church and we prayed, and then um, and then a week later they came to my sweat lodge, all of them, and we prayed. and And, and that's the same thing of, of of how we create a community with uh, uh, NGOs. It's 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 the same thing. We did a ceremony together, and then um, and, and my grandfather would say, "This It doesn't matter what you are if you're a Longhouse." which we have longhouses here here like in the, in the east coast and or, or sweat lodge or catholic catholic christian muslim buddhist bahai he said it doesn't matter he said if you're good at those fundamental teachings we could have a moment together so that's what we went on but also those fundamental teachings are come out to the same thing if spirit's really touching you in those ceremonies you're going to want to do something better and and so um and in the, in the, in the, when it rains, it's, there's a fire ban here, and I go by it. You know, I could have ceremony, but I go by it. Um, but when the, when the rain starts again, we're going to um, do a ceremony with some rabbis from the Jewish community. And, and we're going to keep moving forward with all these different religious organizations and spiritual organizations that exist here in Vancouver. And we're going to, based on our teachings... They're, they're those same fundamental teachings: love, honor, respect, dignity, compassion, understanding, truth, knowledge, wisdom, bravery, courage. Those are the fundamental teachings. And if they have the same, you know, they're going to want to go by those teachings. And let's and if that's the case, then let's it's go by those teachings and stop this pipeline that's harming what we love. And then so that we're we're moving, working on that. But the other thing is, the economics of it. It's brutal. Like like I explained, it's going to be sixteen billion dollars. Additionally, and at the end of the day, the tolling cost, like I said earlier, it's like 11 $10 for any other pipeline to transport one barrel of oil. One barrel. It's going to be about $23. And if I'm wrong, tell me. If Canada's mad at this and saying, oh, you're wrong, tell us. Tell us the truth about what it's going to cost. Tell us. This is what we're estimating. It's going to be $23 to transport. So they're going to pay somebody a subsidy of taxpayers' money to transport that. And then the other thing is, you know, they they say I'm afraid that they're gonna make a reconciliation deal with First Nations to buy the pipeline and I'm afraid because it's, to me it'd be like economic smallpox. And I'm I'm afraid for my my relations because it's a stranded asset. Based on their own estimations, uh, you know, 13 years ago, it, it would take 20 years to pay off a $7 billion loan or no, $7 billion costs to build it. It would take 20 years to pay it off. Now it's $32 billion. It's a stranded asset. So I know even if they say we're going to wipe out the debt and give it to First Nations, it's still not a money-making thing that could be disastrous to, for anybody to acquire. And that's the problem with it. It's, it's, they're going to wipe out the debt or they're going to subsidize somebody to transport their oil through it. And that's that's, that's a, that's a brutal. So we're doing campaigns around that. Um, okay. I want to start tone hall meetings again and river things up that way and start to educate people. It's it's more difficult now. Um, I can't use social media. Like I, I used to, if I put anything around Trans Mountain, it would go really well. And I think any, anything that I see around it now doesn't get picked up like how it mm-hmm. used to. I think um, the algorithms are really made it difficult. And mm-hmm but that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. It's, it's not over. And, and um, you know, we, we have um, a couple things coming up in, in the fall and
1: so that's awesome. Well, how, how can we support you? Like I always like to end this podcast with a call to action. So in addition to obviously buying the book in whatever form and really taking in that wisdom and thinking about all of it, what on a larger scale in your area can Canadians and, and even other First Nations do to support you and your work on the ground?
0: Come to our events, check out our websites, sacredtrust.com, um, follow my work. But also be vocal in your area. Be vocal in your area. Everywhere across Canada, there's, there's this devastation. Make your, make, make your politicians accountable. Get your leadership involved. Get them involved. Ask them what they're doing to protect their lands and their waters and their area. Ask those tough, tough questions. Make them accountable. And, and you know, one, one good thing about our work in tsleil Sacred Trust, we did a 1,200-page assessment, a spill analysis, clean analysis, multiple economics, that is air quality test, all based on tsleil Nation law, our law, our tsleil law. That's what we did and based it on. But the good thing, it's it, I, I see it's been used across universities, across Canada. And so there's a lot of good work, and, and, and people could use it. People could mm-hmm. use it for their Indigenous rights. You know, I, and I'm proud. I'm going to go visit um, um Haida Gwaii after this Wissowitin trip, and I think they're one of the leads in Canada in, in land, water, and human rights, and their the reconciliation deal is amazing. It's a government system because if, if you look at Canada and how they treat First Nations, it's the same no matter what it is. How I seen them deal with the Murder and Missing Woman Inquiry, they asked me to MC it here in in, in BC. And I said, yeah, of course I will. But I phoned my lawyer friends first. And my lawyer, my, my, my friend, she was the lead on it years ago for BC. And she goes, don't do it. They're losing credibility. 17 directors quit because Canada wasn't doing what they should have been doing. It's, she said, "It's and I agree, it was really good. They listened to the victims' families' stories. But the inquiry should have been on the police the yes. judges the coroners i did ceremonies for families that lost their children in and, and you know in brutal ways and evidence showed that it was it was suspicious and they and they said it wasn't they didn't do their investigation and that's the same story over and over and over again and and so they they treated it the same way i saw it like as how how they did the national energy board or the canadian energy regulator how they deal things so from the top bottom municipal, federal, and provincial, they treat First Nations the same. So we have to come from the same. And, I, and, and Uncle Len and I, Leonard George, the late Chief Leonard George, were working on uh, a governance model that no matter who we're dealing with, we're going to come from the same cultural and spiritual perspective that our ancestors have for thousands of years, and that's a Haida Gwaii did in a reconciliation deal. And um, so I think that's really important, to come from our own law, and, and never mind Canada and what they believe, because our law has been in, long, in existence far, far much longer than Canada's, and that, that's where we gain success. That's that's what the Canadian Constitution's supposed to protect. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah.
1: it's so powerful and and so true and for anyone who's listening keep in mind it's not just us saying it the whole united nations human rights treaty bodies have called on canada to to stop all of this destruction you've got the head of the united nations saying we are literally killing the planet listen to indigenous peoples protect indigenous peoples stand beside indigenous peoples I mean the whole world sees it the people the kids you know the youth the elders we all see it it's it's the power we need to come together and force governments to do what's right, because the power always comes from our traditional laws and the people. And I so appreciate you for coming on here and talking about all of this stuff, That like the rawness, the honesty, um, your personal journey, which is attached to all of this. We can never separate ourselves. The important words that are in this book. So don't forget, the book is, it stops here, standing up for our lands, our waters, and our people. It's published by Penguin Random House. You can get it in hard copy, ebook, audiobook, or all of those formats, which is probably what I will do. And there are lots of Indigenous bookstores across the country. In fact, I only just found that out. I thought there was only one or two, but there's actually a number of them. MasseyBooks.com is one of those. Indigenous bookstore, so support Indigenous businesses too. And if you're looking for specific calls to action, things you can do on the ground, whether it be donations or letters or showing up at events or rallies, whatever it is, go to sacredtrust.com, follow the tsleil Nation, follow all of these amazing Indigenous activists and warriors on the ground because we can actually counter that algorithm. Because the more you share, comment, like, leave good reviews on indigenous podcasts or books or YouTube, anything, that spreads it out to more people. So mainstream media may not like sending them around and there's other people within the whole algorithm system who don't, but we have the power to actually control that algorithm to some extent. So support indigenous peoples everywhere. Thank you so much for listening, listeners. And Ruben, thank you so much for being here. Until next time, keep living a warrior life. Walaliag. We'll thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting my podcast. Your donations help me keep the Warrior Life podcast open access to everyone and free from those annoying ads. And it's super simple, just click on the link below to sign up for a Patreon monthly or yearly subscription, or click the links for the Buy Me A Coffee app or the Ko-fi app to make one-time contributions. And if you belong to an awesome community, group, business, or organization that's committed to Indigenous reconciliation, consider sponsoring an episode or two, or as many as you like. Thank you for helping me lift the voices of Indigenous warriors doing phenomenal things to help make our world a better place.